0: Hi, my name's Ryan. I've been a supporter of Paul's for many years now. I wish to get the podcast and video creation part of the system we call Paul back up to full speed. And I think Patreon support is a big part of that system. Go over to patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton. Make a pledge for each artifact that Paul creates. Again, the site is patreon.com slash Wheaton. You can also find the link in the podcast notes. Enjoy the podcast. All right, this is a podcast that has been more than a year in coming.
1: How time flies!
0: Yeah, um, so this is a, the a, about the a book that's about Jacqueline Freeman's style of raising honeybees.
1: Does time fly like a honeybee?
0: That was that was weak. Time. I know. Yeah. What I is know. it? What? Uh, time flies like an arrow. Fruit flies like a banana. Yeah, also yeah. weak. <laughs> so, um. You didn't come here for
1: the comedy. <laughs>
0: We used to have some jokes at the beginning of these things. They like open with a joke. All right. All right. So, so here's what happened. Um, uh, Jacqueline had been working on this book for years, and it went through many title iterations. And, um, for a while there, I think that the title was going to be Beekeeping the Other Way. And, uh, it's all about being not just organic, but way beyond organic. Um, Because right. a Bee, lot
1: of. Bee centric.
0: Yeah. And, and a lot of the organic practices, for example, for raising bees are, uh, still using some kind of treatment, but it's gonna be Omri certified stuff that's, you know, there's, like for example, for mites, you might put powdered sugar on the bees, and then the bees eat the powdered sugar off of each other, and they just happen to also chomp on the, uh, the mites. So, uh, it's it's a technique, but then um, what Jacqueline advocates is referred to as treatment-free uh, beekeeping. Um, and so I confess that when I sit down to write, my first instinct is to kind of is to write the way every bee book has ever been written, and almost any book that's nonfiction, the way that it is written. And, and that is to tackle the problem. Let's address the problem. Let's, you know, fix things. Let's, and, um, one of the things that I like about, uh, like the $50 and up underground house book is that the architecture, is not just like all the other books have an architecture that's this way. This is the way architecture is done. This is the way design for a natural building is done. You you take the exterior walls and you replace it with this other substance or something like that and everything else is the same. But that book goes in a completely different direction. It's so it's like you're going to design the building backwards. Right. And and it's like um so um when her book finally came out, I did not like the title. I thought, what a stupid title. And then I read the book, and of course, the title is fucking brilliant. It is it is a perfect title. It is excellent.
1: It's The Song of Increase, and we listen to it on Audible, um, and Jacqueline reads it herself, along with a friend of hers who who does the voice
0: of the bees. So I was driving it was last January, so it's over a year ago January. Mm-hmm. And um uh and and so we had to go to from from Missoula to the Seattle area, down to the Portland area and back mm-hmm. along with I think I did four speaking gigs on that trip. Um, and so we did a lot of little driving around. And we went to the Oregon coast, of course. Duh. Yes. Duh. yes.
1: <laughs> and you got caught by a wave.
0: Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> In
1: that's January. Right. That's right. That's right. The, <laughs>
0: that the, the ocean kissed me. <laughs> yes. Uh, and boy, was the wind blowing. But that's another story for another day. In fact, I don't think we ever did a podcast talking about that trip. There's I don't a lot know. of cool I'm stuff about déjà There was I remember pie. <laughs> I have clear memories of some rather amazing pie. Um which now I can't eat it, but that's another story also. Um Okay, so this so we listened to it on the way, and, and on top of that, it's like Jacqueline sent us a copy of the book, and then uh, she made a slight update to the book, and she sent us another copy. I bought you a copy for Christmas. So we had three copies of the book here, but we ended up uh, consuming the book as an audible book um, yes. uh, while we're on this trip, because it's so hard to find time to pop open a book. Mm-hmm. and I'd been just aching to read it. And so, wow, it's on Audible? Let's, let's do it on this trip. Okay, yay! We need to travel more so we can actually consume more books. Uh, which, I kind of think that a lot of our book review stuff is the way that people are able to consume books. Like, a lot of the books we review are not available in an Audible format. And so, um I like with the Sepulter 21 podcast review, that's like yeah. a way to get that information, kind of. Um, you know, without having to sit down and read the book. Okay. Yeah. So um, the reason why it's been over a year since we've made a podcast is that it's like when we got done, it's like that book was so good. We need to go and get our physical book out, books out, mm-hmm. pick pick one of them. Right. And, and go page by page and uh, make thorough notes and mark it all up and um, and do a good job because it's a great book. Um, and, uh, uh, so what happens is is that we kind of have this idea in our heads that it's going to take about four hours to go through and mark up the book. And whenever we sit down for a podcast, we say that we have only this much time, and it's not enough time to mark up the book and record a podcast. And so it's it's like we'd have to set aside a whole day, and that just never happens.
1: Right. We're, we're trying to take care of business and, and on a lot of fronts. So so we decided to do a quickie one today, and part of that is me saying, I have accounting work to do. I You have two hours of my time. It's I'll- been
0: postponed way too yeah. long already. And now there was something that we did do, because as we're listening to the book, I'm pausing the book. Um over and over and over again, to ask Jocelyn to write down notes because i 'm driving yeah and and so i 'm like we've got to write this and and so, but my notes are not for a podcast, my notes are for Jacqueline,
1: <laughs> yes, you sent her a big long email
0: yeah i well, I sent her three big emails okay and and then that led to a long conversation that she and I had and i will try and of course that was all back in january right and um pretty much i uh i think the book is very good as is and i want her to overhaul the whole book <laughs> and and um she's not going to do that and and i because i just kind of feel like it would it would um appeal to a thousand times more people um if because of the way it's written and the style of it and things like that. Um so uh, uh but and so I I talked to her and my impression from talking to her was is that she agrees with my analysis a hundred percent. Everything that I talked to her about it's I maybe she was just telling me what I wanted to hear, so I <laughs> leave her alone. But I, mean, I don't think that's the case. I don't think Jack Jacqueline flies that way. Um and so, uh, what I'm going to do is instead of having gone through the book again and wrote write careful notes, is I'm going to um, try to we're going to try to make this podcast based on the notes from uh, the stuff that I sent to Jacqueline, and uh, hopefully that'll help. Now we, there are a couple of stories in the book that are profound.
1: Oh, lots, yes.
0: And so without looking at my notes because I haven't looked at my notes yet. Um, that I sent to Jacqueline. The one story, well, there's two big things that really stick in my head. And so the 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 one story that sticks in my head, well, okay, I better say the stories before I forget. But I want to also talk about, well, and I'll get to that. Oh, so much, and I don't have, uh, so I have poor podcast notes. So this will be a poor podcast, about a good book, which is a disgrace. But otherwise, we're not going to get it out. Right. The first story is is about. Um, How the bees live their life, how they hear the hum of the hive as a pip, which is basically the larva, right? um, and uh, how they take on many of the jobs, and then the last job that they have is uh, to go and collect pollen for the hive. And then the story, the number one story that sticks in my head is about... The uh, the old bee, oh, me too, that, that uh, comes back. And so, so Jacqueline has like every time I've ever been to her house, I mean, she's got a bunch of chairs and stuff out by all of the hives. She spends large tracts of time like right next to the hives, and observing. Sure, observing. I was gonna just say hanging, but yeah. but
1: well, communing. Yes, that's probably more. It's probably more active in Jacqueline's persona than just observing.
0: So, but she is observing. She's watching. Yeah, but but I think how this book comes to be is that she is trying to. Hear the the different kinds of hum that come from the colony. Yes. And um, and so I've got a lot to say about that. We're gonna, and I'm gonna come back to that. I will circle back to that here in a moment. But first, let's talk about the old bee. mm mm-hmm. And so the uh, the old bee arrives with a load of pollen. And Jacqueline can tell it's old because the wings are pretty tattered.
1: Yeah.
0: And, um, apparently what happens is, is that there gets to be a point in a bee's life when it, uh, um, emits an odor that shows that, um, it's reached a certain stage in its life. And for the sake of the colony, which, Everything is about the sake of the colony, and and I don't know how to really impress upon the, the uh, pod people, that's you guys, uh, that um, like how important it is to the you know like like basically each well, bee is given my- the the option to to be whoever they want to be. They don't have to hang out with the colony if they don't want to, and it's like. And it's like if we work hard, then we'll get to have all of these rewards collectively. But we've got to try to, and, and we've managed to be able to provide a life for us if everybody throws their shoulder into the colony. And so it's all about the colony. And um, so then this bee, this old bee, arrives with a load of pollen, and the guard bees detect the odor. Age,
1: the age of, Yeah.
0: And so then they, they they don't let that bee in. And, and so three times the bee tries to go around the guard and drop off the load of pollen that's being delivered. And three times the guard bee blocks. And um, then it seems like the old bee knows what's happening. It clicks and figures it out. And the old bee... Turns around and walks away from the hive, and when getting to the edge of the little platform, drops onto the ground.
1: Just yeah, kind of like like leaping off a cliff without flying, even though it has wings. Yeah, and just goes, okay, my time's done.
0: So Jacqueline sees this and is like. Oh no, a little bee! oh no, And this is apparently very early on in Jacqueline's process, right, and doesn't you know and is and so rescues this bee and forces the guards aside, but the bee already knows, and so the bee walks off the edge anyway, the bee won't walk in, yeah. the, the bee refuses to yeah. walk in. Yeah, and walks off the edge again and plops onto the ground again. Yeah, and so, um, so I remember that story, which oh, is very yeah. profound.
1: Yeah, it was, and and the aha moment it led to for Jacqueline, and and this is something to people who are new with beekeeping. I'd like to explain just a little bit that I didn't know about bees. There's a colony. Um, the hive, if you will. Um, Jacqueline speaks of the hive a little differently in the book, but the colony that's in a bee hive, the physical. So, yeah, box. the
0: hive is the house. Right. So. The colony is the bees. The,
1: the group of bees that live there. They, as most people know, the queen is laying the eggs and reproducing and, and, and laying more and more babies. But what, Sorry, excuse me. I didn't realize that honeybees live six weeks, is it? Yeah. So, um, and there's certain stages of the year they might live shorter or longer, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, they're they're constantly being replaced to have that hive of hundreds or thousands of bees, that colony, I should say, of hundreds or thousands of bees. And I didn't realize this. So, um, I mean, it makes sense if you think of the life of an insect is, is fairly brief, but I just, you know, thought for people who are new to bees or beekeeping, that might be an important point to
0: make. Okay. Um... Another uh, another thing, another story I want to say now before I forget it, mm-hmm. uh, because I'm not sure if it's in my notes, is the thing about how Jacqueline and Joseph would go about doing things throughout the day and how it changed after Jacqueline began to understand how a bee goes about its day. Right. Um, and so... Uh, within the bee world, there's no concept of fair. Right. It's it's uh, um, basically you contribute to the colony uh, as all day long, every day because you love the colony and and you want to just
1: help help things. Nurture things long. Help That's, take
0: care of things. You have yeah. a limited number of days that you oh, are yeah. even alive, mm-hmm. and and if everybody pulls together, and and I'm I'm pretty sure this is not in the book. This is something that came from the conversation that I had with Jacqueline, and uh, the thing that I I got the impression of, but I don't think it's mentioned exactly in the book. Is that the 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 powerful force that everybody in the colony wants is for the great divide, which is swarming. And so Jacqueline told me that that is true. That w- what they what they long for passionately is to is to be able to be part of the bunch that will do the divide and and so that's it's it's it, you know it's it's the big driving force can they do so well that they can divide
1: right it's it's that's where the song of increase comes from is when the hive is reproducing well when they have lots of food lots of pollen lots of propolis lots of honey lots of Comb, when they're just being so, so successful, their hum turns into what Jacqueline calls the song of increase. And that just means they are. They're, they're, they're growing, they're expanding, and they're ready, you know, they're, they could, or they're on that path to swarming. Which is, we're multiplying, we're expanding, that this is what a healthy hive or a healthy colony does.
0: So um, I kind of feel like, uh, uh, well, well, one of the key things is that each, for each of these different things, there's like a dozen different things, dozen different sounds that the colony will make that's, that's like a general, and, and basically uh, Jacqueline refers to it as a song. Mm-hmm. So there's the song of increase, and, and that is, of course, the most coveted Place to be, which is going to be, um, you know, yeah, they're they're doing all the things, and they're they're, you know, uh, more brood, more honey, more everything. They're they're in a growth path, as opposed to like defense. They're being invaded or illness. They are they're trying to fight illness. Um, So they're you know or whatever. There's all kinds of different songs that will be sung, um, depending upon. Uh, What's going on at the moment? And then at one of the points came the thing, which I think is a natural thing that's going to be from the world of brute force that is done upon most of these kinds of things, is like, well, how about if we record the Song of Increase... And then put great big speakers next to the hive and then play the song and then and then they'll be increasing and it's like that would be disaster. That would be total disaster. Um, I think so, you'd have some agitated so bees. The point I was trying to make was is that so Jacqueline and Joseph, um, there was there'd be like a moment where it's like it's time to do the dishes. And so then there would be a little bit of something about, like, whose turn is it to do the dishes and whose turn is it to work on their projects instead or whatever.
1: Because they were trying to do the modern thing of, well, we need an equitable household, so we need to each take a turn at doing X. So that we're equitable
0: and everything's fair yes we want things to be fair yeah and then but the bees never do that it's it's like basically there's not enough hours in the day for them to give to their community all that they want to give right
1: so there's mm-hmm. um uh isn't one of the first jobs helping take care of the brood yeah and then there's you know and then there's one th- all the way up to gathering pollen, and there's the guard bees, and there's, they rotate through these roles, as you said. Well, she, she noticed that if someone spilled some honey or, or spilled some pollen, and their role was the pollen, it would be all different kinds of workers would just swoop down to help clean it up. It was like they didn't care. It wasn't like, well, that's not my role. Only the pollen gatherers clean up the spilled pollen you know they just all we just do it we just work and and Jacqueline's perception of the honeybees is that they just have so much joy in their work and in doing what they do she has this really um lovely um way of seeing it as joyful and there's someone in the kitchen
0: oh Okay. Sorry. I was, was kind of thinking like... Paul's wondering what the noise that was sound? in the background. <laughs> There's just
1: someone in the kitchen. Okay. But not with Dinah. <laughs> Another okay. bad joke. All
0: right. All right. <clears throat> um, uh, so it's a, it's a different... I, I, I just found to be pretty... So now Jacqueline just live their life much like how the bees do. You just, you know, do things, do things, do things. And the more you can do for your community... Then you know, and there's there's going to be nobody to to thank you. There's not going to be you know, and, and it's just you know, what do you do with the limited days that you have?
1: Yeah. So so she said she probably does more in the kitchen than Joseph does, but it's not, uh, but it's a matter of joy, and that's where she feels the most comfortable. And it's there's no resentment about it. She said she feels more <laughs> like the worker bees. We're just doing what. We can do. We're both working all day. It's not, you know, it's not like anyone's slacking.
0: So um, I got it. I got. I think now is the time to make the big leap. And 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 there is a point that is going to be difficult for anybody to believe. And I think I'm a very skeptical person. Now at the same time, I want to say, uh, Willie Smith was here. He understands 40 languages. Um, and while he was here, he shared something. And that was that he believes that there's been a dozen different species where he, uh, of animal, that where, where he has gotten a, a rudimentary understanding of their language. Mm hmm. Um and then uh then of course there was that documentary about the uh, the turkeys. Right. And uh, how many words did a turkey have?
1: Well, they had different sounds that meant different things and it was like 40 or something and this guy who raised a clutch of um turkey eggs learned their sounds and <clears throat> could talk to the turkeys. Um yes, so the, the I think there's been a lot of research in this space with a lot of different animals and um I so the the book what well, starts out with Jacqueline's voice she's the author and then um uh her friend and where's where's where's, does, where's what, the Oh book? uh well it wouldn't be on the book but in the audible um production Uh, another woman does the voice of the bees and so there are these little interjections where the bees have things to say about themselves and about the world and when we first started the audible book that was a little strange Um, um, both the woman's the second woman's voice took a little getting used to I love Jacqueline's voice But then once we got used to it and understood what was going on, we both became more comfortable with it. I, um, so I've kind of interjected a little bit in what you were trying to say about how, um, Jacqueline talks to the bees.
0: So, yeah, Jacqueline has spent, you know, so many hundreds of hours, and I, maybe it's even thousands of hours, now that I think about it, probably thousands of hours sitting out there with the hives um, and um, just observing and hanging out with the bees, that in time, I think she's kind of been able to learn the different sounds that are made as part of um, her being there. Like, um, this one's making a sound that's basically saying, you know, we're sad, or, you know, but but anyway, and then she's kind of broken those down. Mm -hmm. But um uh I believe she has uh, uh come up with a way to communicate uh with a colony in a very rudimentary way and now um basically when it when it comes to that part where it's like in our own words um first you gotta the, the thing I objected to with Jacqueline was, is like, it's not really in their own words because, you know, they don't, it's not like they know English. Oh, right. You are barely being able to understand, um, different kinds of sounds that they make and to be able to have a very slow and long drawn out form of communication with them. And, and so then you're, you're effectively attempting to translate. So um part of my conversation with Jacqueline is is that I kind of feel like all the stuff that's about that's called in our own words should probably be about a quarter of the size of what she's put there uh in inside the book um uh and that and that the the statements that they're making in her book while well, it's brilliant it is it is the way to put it uh and it's the way to do it and I I honestly believe that, that there is – that Jacqueline is doing this, which I think most people are going to just find that to be absolutely unbelievable. And it's like, that's cool. Don't believe it and then read the book and then try on – these messages, just try them on for size to get an idea of what you think and how much you you think that the message has weight and value to you.
1: Right. I think think a, a healthy skeptic can still appreciate the book and even appreciate the parts that are called in our own words. And I found the other narrator's name, Robin Wise. So... I think a healthy skeptic can see that, well, just from the hours of observation and the books she's read, I mean, when we went down for Jacqueline's beekeeping class, she had a t- dining room table full of books that she's read about bees, mm-hmm. honeybees, and beekeeping, as well as um, just her passion and her love and her joy in being around the bees, it- I think even a healthy skeptic who may not believe there's an actual discourse going on could interpret Jacqueline's writing of In Our Own Words, which is meant to be the honeybee words, as her interpretation of what she's observed. I think it's, I think it really makes sense to put human language on something you're observing and what you're, um, seeing Something in the natural world do and and that 's just her observation and her interpretation of what messages i mean we 've all seen the uh, documentaries about how bees do little dances to communicate with each other and mm-hmm. tell each other where the best pollen is and you know we 've figured out some rudimentary things about bees communicating. And, and Jacqueline has just taken that to another level and, and put words on it that, you know, I'm repeating myself now. I just think even if you're a skeptic, you could still have value with what she's learned about the bees and how she's interpreting it.
0: Right. And, and I think, um, I, I feel like anybody who's listening to this podcast, while they can be a skeptic, I think that they should at least leave room in their mind for it. It could possibly be true because you don't know that it's not true. Yeah. And so, um, uh, all right. So moving moving along, uh, uh, my notes are that I um, mean she's got a, she's got some different words for yeah. uh, a lot of the different stages of different bees. Right. So um, the larva is the pip. Um,
1: we liked that term. That yeah,
0: nice. the workers are the maidens, and of course it's possible for a maiden in in a time of desperation to turn into a kind of queen. Yes. And the queens are the mother. Yes. All right. Um, and I, you know, and I do think it's something where it's like if if this book were overhauled, and I think I think the book could be thirty percent shorter overall. And, um, and more concise. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and there were some things where, um, uh, when people are reading the book, which I'm sh- I hope everybody listening to this will read the book, um, you'll find that, um, uh, sometimes she, uh, like it needs to have some editing done, if nothing else. So like, uh, she mentioned, she refers to the colony, but she accidentally says hive. And so it's like okay, so let's have some forgiveness in that kind of space. But um, I, I I would have liked the idea if um, for the for the drones that if she'd have stuck to what she wanted to call them. Now um, I don't remember. Um, uh, oh, I think I think she referred to them as shaman. The drones,
1: yeah. yeah and the drones are the male bees. Again, for people new to beekeeping, you know, and I think a lot of people know a lot of this now, um, most of the worker, bee, the worker bees are female, and the queen, of course, is female, and the drones are there to mate with the queen, uh, and we thought that was their only role, but Jacqueline had some very different ideas on what they're for.
0: So now, I I think a good name for the drones, based on what Jacqueline has shared, would be emissary, mm-hmm. because what the what the drones do is that they're allowed to go into any hive,
1: right? Because they spread the genetics and um and they do songs and dances with the other hives. They communicate with the other hives, and the way Jacqueline explained it is that they tell the stories. And if you think about it, that's what genetic history is. Genetic history is the story of generations that have survived all this stuff. And so if the drones are going from hive to hive sharing stories, emissary is a great word.
0: So a Part of it, part uh, of it is, is that they tell the stories and sing the songs to the pips to make them aware of the history And also to tell them about, you know, once they emerge, what they'll be uh, able to do, Um, and and uh, uh, to kind of give them the motivation of what's going to be, what's up and coming. Mm -hmm. Um, So now, uh, and then and then they could go from uh, uh, hive to hive and and share information and and. Move information from one hive to another. They're the internet <laughs> of bees. Yeah. So, I I thought emissary was a good was a good name, and um I did suggest it to Jacqueline. Who knows what'll happen from here. Um.
1: Well, and and have we talked? Have we talked about bees in a podcast? You've talked with Jacqueline and Joseph about bees
0: and. Pod- I have a four part podcast with Jacqueline about raising bees. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's one of my best podcasts.
1: Yeah, you also have the YouTube, several YouTube videos with Jacqueline.
0: I am still to this day really angry that the uh, the um, colony collapse disorder video that I made with Jacqueline didn't get like a hundred million views. Uh, it's like at sixty thousand or something. Yeah. And and for some reason, uh, so like. I think when I made the video, it was at a time when I got paid zero from YouTube for posting videos. And then yeah. after I made the video, then YouTube contacted me <clears throat> and said, hey, uh, uh, how do you feel if we give you money for your videos? <laughs> it's like, okay. Um, So they started to put little ads on the videos and stuff. But <clears throat> um so i I just kind of thought that at that time people were freaking out about colony collapse disorder, and I kind of felt like this video really but i and I spent two days editing that video, and I kind of feel like I did an amazing job with that video, and it just
1: well and that was back in a time when people were still hoping to discover the disease or the thing the one thing that caused colony collapse disorder since then um uh, a lot of people feel it's primarily the, uh, neo, what are those called? Oh,
0: neonicotinoids? Neonicotinoids. Yes.
1: Uh, a lot of people still think it's primarily that, and there's so much broader knowledge about that now that I think a lot of people have forgotten when colony collapse disorder was considered just this mystery thing and we had to figure out what disease was calling it and of course find the chemical to cure that disease so when you created that video was it 2010 well or 20 yeah i think it was
0: 2010 Um, that
1: was way before people knew what they know now way before.
0: And I I disagree with so much. I mean there those are elements to be sure and those are it's a toxin, yes. And then there was like also this virus and fungus that right. were you know there's all this different bits and bobs and and so much of it. Oh, I'm I'm so but I I do want to say something from the perspective of Jacqueline's book about colony collapse disorder. And that is that um uh, and I don't think, I don't remember her book saying this. So maybe it's, it's in her book or maybe it's just my own thing after having read her book. But I believe that colony collapse disorder comes from, because what part of the thing that they're kind of wigging out about is like, they go to a hive and it's now empty. There's yeah. nobody there. Yeah, And there's not like a whole bunch of dead bees in there or a whole bunch of dead bees on the ground or whatever. But what I think is going on is that it's my understanding that the colony has a memory of uh uh Like decades in its past, maybe even possibly hundreds of years. I don't know how that's even possible.
1: She talks about that in the book. Yes.
0: Okay, and and then so basically there, you know, here's here's a uh, a colony that's bebopping along, and they what they want more than anything else is to have the great divide is, is to be able to effectively swarm and split the hive, like, like, prosper so much. But then they can detect they are not prospering. And, and, and so because they're not prospering, they should not divide. And if they're not going to divide, if they're not going to do that, then the right thing to do for honeybees everywhere is check out. Take
1: themselves out of the gene pool. She described that in the book. Okay. okay. Yeah, she did.
0: Exactly like that yeah. old bee. Exactly yeah. like the old bee. And it's like, so here's what we do is we fly far away and we cannot survive without the colony. And so we have to all go far away and end yeah. this. Yeah. And I, you know, so I think Jacqueline wrote genetic line, but of course, you know, bees don't know what a genetic line is, but they're going to basically think that. You know, it's that that our group, whatever we're doing, whatever we've yeah. been programmed to do, does not work, and we should not reproduce. Therefore, it is the end, and yeah. uh, and it's I'm calling it the end.
1: Yeah, the entire colony just decides to be done, to not be yeah, not
0: right. not continue. And it, and part of it is is like if it's some sort of disease, you have to end the disease by by ending this colony. Yeah. And so um it's it's a sacrifice for the greater good of all bees everywhere mm-hmm. you know and so then i think that that's what's going on and you're saying it's in the book that yeah, that is That was one of okay.
1: my notes about the book um was about hives choosing to die uh, no I, w- what i meant was colony you know when i wrote hives but a colony <laughs> choosing to die off I, it's it's a whole different level of hive mind that we talk about. We all talk about hive mind and 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 that's a whole different level of hive mind, uh, self-sacrificing level that I think a lot of us couldn't imagine.
0: All right. So uh, my first note here to Jacqueline uh, is I very much like the stuff about life force. And so basically... Um, And I think that this is something where there's going to be vocabulary within the bees, and it's like... And, and when I talk to Jacqueline about it, it's like, okay, let's let's enter the world of sci-fi for a moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, we go to some planet that's like 87 stars away, and there's life there, and we try to visit with them. And the way that they communicate is so completely different from the English language. Right? It's like gonna gonna take uh, experts, you know, a uh, hundred years <laughs> to establish a line of communication, kind of a thing. It's so very different. So um, anyway, so life force is going to be um, something that that Jacqueline has converted to English to try to you know equal whatever it is that they're saying. But um, there is something about li- uh, this this concept of life force that's inside of some plants, and then um, uh, and then of course some plants have been tainted and they don't have this life force. But it's like it's... Usually when that happens, it's like everything's been tainted. It's hard to find something that hasn't been tainted. Right. But they do prefer the nectar and pollen uh, from the plants that have a strong and vibrant life force. Yeah. Um, And then um, when they bring that back to the colony, then... um, They want to preserve the life force and maybe even add to it. So then, um, a fair bit of the book talks about how the bees do fermentation. Um, and that adds. And propolis. Um, well, yeah, there's, there's the propolis stuff. So, um, but, but, you know, making honey from the nectar. Okay. Um, and, and so, uh, uh, and how that's preferred and, and, but anyway putting life force into the food is critically important um i like that angle and i i kind of wonder you know is there more in that space to discover but
1: and and again you know people who are averse to things that are kind of on the woo woo spectrum, there's, there's a really pragmatic and practical aspect of this life force as well. With there, there are a few things we know and, and there are many things we still don't know. So, for example, with some of the, uh, hobbyist research I've done into nutrition, they, they've taken wheat and they've bleached it and refined it till it's white flour. And then they've added, then they found out people were getting rickets. <laughs> so now you usually don't find white flour unless it's been enriched and, and some vitamins and other things are added back in. So now of all the, of all the vitamins and all the known micronutrients that we know about, vitamins, minerals, bioflavonoids, things like that, when they refine a food, like let's say, wheat to wheat flour, and then they try to add back in all the nutrition to it that we are aware of and know about it. But when they feed test subjects, rats or people, but usually rats, unfortunately, when they feed the enhanced white flour to one group versus the whole wheat to another group, the group on the whole wheat invariably does better. We cannot add back in everything that's nutritious and vital about a food. And and I think this goes to the nectar and the pollen and the honey because these all come down to food. Food for the bees, food for people. You can't can't take it... Apart and and add it back in yet because we don't know what we're missing. There's some things we can't measure yet, and I also right. I also think of acupuncture. Acupuncture is effective medicine. It's been proven in double-blind trials, but we don't know why or how it works. It it supposedly the theory is it moves electricity in the body, which moves the energy and the activity in the body, but we don't really know. So there 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 is science behind the bees being drawn and 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 preferring vital energy, even if the terms about it might sound woo-woo and and not scientific.
0: Right. And so it would be good if we had a, a better word. In fact, I kind of think that what would have been really helpful to me, and I think a lot of people that are taking this book up for the first time would be um, like, maybe a chapter that are Jacqueline's notes on, uh, communication. Like, like, how does the communication work? Tell us a little about the nuts yeah. and bolts. Because, like, with the turkey yeah. thing, the guy said, this sound means this thing. Mm. You know? And so then he, he didn't share the full vocabulary, but he did share, like, seven or eight key vocabulary things from these turkeys.
1: I don't think it's like that for Jacqueline though. She, her, the way, her, the way it works for her from what I recall of the book, and I typically don't recall specifics of books, I typically recall generalities of books, okay. that's just how my memory works. But my impression is that she heard them speaking in her mind. She heard them speaking. So I think even if it had been this kind of a waggle and that kind of a buzz, and this, she had already done the interpretation, and what she heard in her head was English and words,
0: and they spoke to her. So I don't know. I did not get that from the book. Really? I did not get anything like that from the book. Okay. And so I'm thinking it's more like the turkeys or Willie Smiths. And that, and that, you know, enormous amounts of patience. I imagine that to have an exchange of one sentence and another sentence is probably a half a day long activity. And, and it's like, but it's all through the, the, the waggles and the buzzes and, and stuff like that. And I'm, I'm thinking that it's, I'm, I'm thinking that while there's going to be a lot of a very, uh, observational scientific, uh, component, then, um, there's going to be a lot left. To interpretation that is going to have to have Jacqueline filling in a lot of blanks over what is her interpretation over what they said, and and uh, you know trying to understand. Now, um, I I also believe that um, Jacqueline probably isn't the first person, but Jacqueline may be the first person to write about it, um, and maybe she's not even the first person to write about it.
1: Right that part I don't know. I haven't read a dining room table f- full of books about honeybees.
0: <laughs> so I've got a note to her saying that for the in our own words stuff the anthropomorphizing went too far. Um I just kind of feel like the message that comes from the bees um needs to be kept short and and simple.
1: Yeah. It's a, I just don't think that's Jacqueline's style. It might work better for a wider variety of people, but I just don't think that's her style. I mean, she and J- Joseph are from a biodynamic background, which mm-hmm. is a lot about the energy of things as well. Um, so, um, And I just think her um, focus has been different than that.
0: So Okay, so then, um, I, I, I said I, uh, so the in our own words is excellent, and I feel myself in their world getting a good understanding, and then I'm yanked out by reality. The anthropomorphizing went too far. This alone would be an hour-long conversation. I asked mm-hmm. Jocelyn about this. That would be you. <laughs> and she agrees. So mm. the odds are this is not just me being weird. I think a good example is when the bees say they are chemists. I kind of rather that they are cooks, and they don't try to apply a high school chemistry to what they do. But I do think it is cool that they are aware of life force and everything, which is totally not chemistry, and that when they ferment food, that it is the life of another colony that builds for the purpose of helping the colony. So it's the future. They're they're building for the future.
1: Hmm. And
0: and now I shared this with her and she agreed with me. So right. So Jacqueline agreed with me.
1: Well, I could imagine her agreeing that oh I could see how you would have that perception of more cooks than chemists. Although a chemist um I mean, at the end of the book, and I may be jumping ahead compared to where your notes are, at the end of the book, she talks about how the bees, you know, what they're doing and what the bees want to do in in her interpretation is to have this... um, Protection or energy grid over their world that they, you know, it's important to them. They see this grid above all these plants that they're, they're enhancing the plants. They know they are. And they are
0: gardeners.
1: Yeah. And the plants are enhancing them. And then the people, if the people are in their protection grid and stuff, this is all part of what they're trying to enhance. So in that sense, as they're fermenting the nectar, as they're creating propolis, as they're doing all these different things, and as they're pollinating, they are trying to create something uh, more than just cooking. They want something that's energetically positive, that's part of this whole connected grid energy protective Thing. So, to me, that's way beyond cooking. So, now I'm thinking, I can see why she chose the word chemist for what they were saying instead of cook.
0: Right. I mean, they are stewards of the land. Mm-hmm. And and and, as, and for that part of the book, when I was hearing that, and I'm thinking, like, that is so profound. And that is so powerful. But part of what I was thinking was, that is why... You don't put a bunch of hives together. Mm. So often you'll be driving on the road and it's like there's 60 hives all in a bunch, and I'm thinking yeah. like, no, you should have one hive here, and the next hive needs to be at least uh, 300 feet away.
1: Yeah,
0: you know, something like that. Uh, the idea that all the hives are in a bunch, because yeah, they've this. This is like this is the area that we are. Nurturing this yeah. is the area that we're stewarding and and then of course they also determine whether or not the people are um, uh, benefiting <laughs> their yeah. plan yeah. or destroying their plan yeah. and and that's an important thing now another note that I got in here um, is about the whole concept of the beekeeper and I think that that for most colonies the beekeeper would be vilified Um I mean, because of the things that they do, and it's, and, and the idea of opening the hive is so contrary to this book. Like, I'm going to open the hive and dig shit out. Right. <laughs> and it's right. like, that so does not fit with everything else in this book. But, um, uh, I, I, I kind of wonder if, um, so, of course, I, I would imagine that they have a very good relationship with Jacqueline and they're going to, and I think Jacqueline had some stories to tell about things that happened where the bees helped, um, and because the bees saw it as, as interest, best interest for them, you know, for all the things that they're doing. And, um, and it does seem like the, the colonies that she visits with have you know memory of things from the past from like several years before but of course bees only live 6 weeks right so
1: that's but the queen will live uh, a number of years yeah
0: correct. yeah yes. yeah
1: so um yeah so that's di- that's a different thing um i i do Think, even if, even if you're thinking of the bees as being simpler and they just want to protect their foraging grounds, there's, you know, you could translate some of this energy grid stuff to thinking about it that way. But I think there's so much more to it and, and it just goes back to we do not know all of the healthy aspects of everything
0: yet. I'm not saying that I think the that what the bees are doing is simpler. i'm I'm saying that what the bees are doing is richer. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's by it's a hundred times richer than anything we ever thought of before. Mm-hmm. It's just different than what we do. And so if you attempt to anthropomorphize, then you're going to be on the wrong path. Mm-hmm. And the way that they go about living their lives and doing what they do, is extremely different from what a human does. Um, and then when I was talking about simplifying, then I'm kind of thinking like um, when it comes to translating between Jacqueline and the bees, I'm kind of thinking like um, the vocabulary is not so rich as to include the word chemistry. Mm. And, and when I talked to Jacqueline about this, she told me that I was correct, that it's more like cooking, that it's more like, you know, this is, this is what they do, but they do, but the thing is, is there's also stuff that they do that she didn't have words for, but chemistry seemed to be the best word, but now she thinks that chemistry probably isn't the best word, and it's like, but what would that word be in the English language? Don't know. Right. And, and so, I, and I feel like that's, that's a huge part of it. They're going to have a lot of concepts and words and all kinds of things for their world. And it seems like that that is a big part of it. There's a whole bunch of stuff that we can never understand because um it requires this whole different because there's there's not been. And I kind of think like, "Oh, it's so cool to think about science fiction and maybe there's life on other planets and then we could try to communicate with them." Because, of course, they're not going to fucking speak English. And it's like, but here we have a species that is capable of communication. And could it be that, like, Jacqueline's book is just really barging open this door to communicate with a whole different species and the way that they do stuff is just so very... Different from the way that we do, and and it's there, and it might actually be that there is some very serious communication that can happen there. So anyway, and of course, Willie Smith's a lot of his work is with orangutans, and yes. and that's like a, 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 a there is suggestion that their vocabulary might even be larger than ours.
1: Yes, he put numbers on it. He said orangutans have a vocabulary of about yeah. <clears throat> a thousand. Uh, word-like sounds and most people typically use around 500 <laughs> so, or yeah
0: so i i suggested to her that i would because the word beekeeper was used a lot and i proposed that um beekeepers in general might possibly be in a way vilified because the In her book, she talks about the bees can detect a kind of wrongness with certain things. And so um, I was suggesting that there would be, instead of a beekeeper, there would be a bee collaborator. And that you're trying to be respectful to the bees in, in these ways and then that would be um, a, a way of doing this stuff, a, to a way of, of working with the bees instead of using the bees. So a beekeeper yeah. would keep bees, a bee collaborator would collaborate.
1: Right. A different different language for that would be nice. Um, though Those kind of things are a little difficult to change, um, um that kind of vocabulary. I think, you know, just her example of if she has opened the hive, she opens the hive a fraction of the time that most people would open a hive. Um, When she has opened it, you have told stories over the years of how, you know, for her to put the frame back in and put the lid back on, she makes sure not to squish a single bee I mean she, she is so careful and so patient and takes such a long time to get everything back in there that she's really developed a ton of um, calmness with the bees and trust with the bees and most of the time she does not wear a bee suit because she just has this rapport with the bees and 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 uh, they know her she knows them and she does everything she can to not hurt a single bee so that's why when she saw this old bee falling uh, you know falling off she thought when the guard bees wouldn't let the old bee in she's like i'll help and then she had the aha moment that they decided the bee was too old not good for the colony
0: so I um, proposed that with this idea of the beekeeper versus the bee collaborator, that Mm -hmm. that um, for any colony that there would be three general paths. One is to be totally wild and all the risks and misery that come with that. Mm -hmm. So it's got its upsides, but it's also got its downsides. Um, and uh two entrapped in the world of a beekeeper, uh usually horrible and far worse than being in the wild, sometimes not too bad, but generally not as good as being wild mm-hmm. and then number three, in a symbiotic relationship with a collaborator, very rare and the very best, and so they 're respected as partners uh, in in you know being stewards of a piece of land um and and so then they'll each care for the land in the way that they see fit and you know uh, uh hopefully you know everybody everybody benefits in yeah. the end in the
1: in the video you made with Jacqueline talking about what can what factors might lead to a colony collapse um did did she talk about mites in that video i can't remember
0: um Oh, in my video? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The lots. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was a big focus of the video. Yeah.
1: Well, and that's another story from the book that stands out to me. And that's what I think, as you mentioned, even um, organic beekeepers will still try to treat for mites. But that's something she noticed in um, her bee observations is a bee flew up this time it wasn't an old bee but flew up to the guards and all of a sudden three other bees come down on top of that bee and start grooming it grooming it grooming it and they find a mite on it and they tear the mite off and bite it and kill it and then the bee can enter so i mean it's a different type of guarding than we typically think about but it's like okay no this this we're going to groom you. Get those mites off before you enter because those mites are dangerous to the colony. So um, she's actually seen a healthy colony deal with mites in a healthy, proactive way. And and um, I like the idea of that, that these, these colonies and the bees develop the strength, the resilience, and the knowledge to um, deal with them.
0: Um I have a note here about something that was um a bee in my bonnet um a year ago more than a year ago but I've since you know turned around on that and that was a um uh, she used the word chemicals, like the, the, the bees go out and they find something and it's obviously been treated with chemicals. And I saw a thing by, uh, I think it was Hank Green where he said everything's made out of chemicals, stop calling it chemicals. Right. And so for a while I was trying to not say chemicals but instead say toxins. Right. You know, but actually, um, uh, I've kind of come around back around to where I was originally. It's okay to say chemicals because what is the we're trying? To, I mean, the word can be used for multiple things. It's true, everything yeah. is a chemical, but at the same time, what do we what word do we want to use to suggest this is not something that occurs in nature? This right. is something that came from a chemical laboratory, right? You know, and so what is the product of a of a chemistry lab? Yeah, you know, what do you, what do we call that? And so I think it's fair to call those things chemicals. And, and so because, you know, a lot of stuff that we're dealing with now, a lot of stuff that we're working with is coming from, uh, uh chemical factories. Yeah. And so a lot of our food is coming from a factory, uh, instead of from the ground. And so I, I, I'm, I've, uh, I've, I've changed my mind. So I, I said something to Jacqueline about that, but I think it's worth mentioning that it's like, no, I, I think it's okay to say chemicals, although I do think that, um, toxins would probably still be a better fit in the book
1: right yeah yep um so i keep trying to fill in the spots when you're reading your notes with my babbling but i've mostly gone through my notes the only other thing i do love 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 hearing about how queens how drones and queens mate in a in in a natural way. I just, if you've seen any of the any of the bee documentaries, they show how most queens are artificially inseminated in oh, a Oh man,
0: that is brutal.
1: In a lab, it's, it's it looks like laboratory bee rape, basically. And sorry for uh, if that's a sensitive word for anybody.
0: If you see the video, I think I think that that's not understating it.
1: So they are
0: overstating. That's not overstating.
1: They artificially inseminate the queen bees um that you buy if you're requeening a hive, which is just seems like a heartbreaking horrible practice to me. Uh whereas natural queens, the only drones that can mate with a natural queen are the ones that can fly fast and hard enough to catch her, and they mate in the sky. Right?
0: Right. And Which sounds pretty great, doesn't it? Uh, you want
1: to because, hide that strong. And
0: you got to get up there really high, because uh, sex has to last less time than the amount of time it takes you to fall to the earth. Yeah, because that's <laughs> It's got to be over, so you can, you know, cool. fly away from that.
1: <laughs> well, isn't it the end of life for the drones? That is... Because their anatomy is separated, <laughs>
0: and and keeps on pumping. So, um, I've I've got a, a note here that um, the the song for the pips from the drones is um, a mix of a few different things. One is that your time will be short. It is your choice how much you will accomplish during your time. Um and the next one is is that if we all do a great job we will experience the divine parting. Um
1: It's uh, overall it's just an amazing book um i think paul and i were blown away i don't know if you're nearing the end of your notes or not this is
0: this is just um uh email number 2 out of 3
1: oh so you still have more notes
0: yeah yeah
1: <laughs> well uh, I highly recommend it. I think, um, Robin Wise does an excellent job in the audio version, as does Jacqueline. But as I said earlier in the podcast, it took us a little while to acclimate to Robin Wise being the voice of the bees. Um, but after, but keep going. You know, if you listen to the audio version, keep going because I do think it, that part gets better. And Paul is still reading through his notes. I really enjoyed hearing more and more about the propolis too.
0: Okay, um, I've got a note here uh, to Jacqueline, and um, this is this is going to be odd, okay? But um, I believe, uh, and all right, I'm gonna just I'm gonna say it. I think a lot of people are going to cringe when I say it, but um, I think that if she rewrites the book and puts it back out that um, I would not be surprised if a religion forms around the book. That is odd. That It is an odd thing and I'm not saying I'm signing up for the religion, nor am I encouraging anybody to sign up for the religion. But The, I'm, the thing is, the book is that good and yeah. the book is that profound yeah. and the book provides a lot of I don't know, personal guidance. Yeah. And, of course, you know, a lot of encouraging to to live your life the bee way.
1: (laughs) Well, I, I do think there are certain holistic ways. I mean, that's why a lot of people are drawn to permaculture, is so much of it just makes sense and resonates. And I think so much of what Jacqueline describes with the bees and with her relationship with the bees just resonates, and it makes sense, um... And it, and it makes sense in what we see bees do and what we know they do. So I I don't know if I would call it a religion, maybe a following. All
0: right, um, I am I'm I'm on to the the third and last email, um, and then uh, there's. Uh, I'm going over some of the the words. Um, uh, <laughs> what? Well, I'm just I'm just thinking like normally we we take the time to make a bunch of really good clear notes before, before doing a podcast, it. and instead yeah. we're like, oh no, we've got to you know this has gone too long. If we start making notes, it's going to be um,
1: well. Um there's just some other general information I know about the book that I'll babble a little bit about while you um it was number 1 in some book list and I was trying to find that on Amazon to see what it I mean it was appearing really high up in you know environmental or natural world Um, as a bestseller, and it has now been translated in several different languages, um, which is really exciting as well for Jacqueline.
0: I've got a note here, I like the idea that each member of the colony has a strong value set of what is right and what is wrong, and that 10 billion right actions leads to the divine parting. And it takes only one or two wrong actions to delay or stop the divine parting. Um, so, and uh, and part of the song of increase is gratitude for thousands of right actions. I I think that there's a lot to be said for that. In, That's profound. In a, in a long list of ways, a long list of things that we all try to do all the time.
1: Yes. Yes. Um, Yes, it's very, very profound. Um, I and Jacqueline is just a delight to listen to, I think. Um, she, Her joy and her humor and her... You know how you can hear a smile in someone's voice when right. they're talking? Yes. There is quite a bit of that in the book, which yeah, made it very engaging and endearing.
0: I think Jacqueline's almost always grinning and smiling. I also like the idea that when the first queen cell starts to be created, there is great joy throughout the colony, and the song of increase changes, because it has begun. We are all committing to a divine parting. We are the bees, thanks to all the bees before us, that will actually be part of the divine parting. It's going to really happen, and it's going to happen really soon. Um, as the pip emerges uh you talked about doing uh the, you talked about the joy of doing of doing it all of getting the chance to do it all and what it is that was the driving force of each bee to do it all I kept thinking that the next word I would hear is integrity I felt the word was there although it was not uttered I would have liked to have heard that word um Let's see. Genetics um we we've covered a lot in this I, podcast. I'm on the end of the uh, of my third email.
1: Ah, very good. So I'm I'm still looking on Amazon to which it has good All reviews right. on Amazon in case I could see what bestseller list it was on, but it doesn't show that.
0: That's it. That's the end of my notes. Um, and I know that those were poor notes, and I wish I could have done better. But I wanted to, you know, it's it, it's been too long, more than a year, and we yeah. never did get the good notes put together. Yeah. And yet this was too important to put off any longer.
1: I still think we covered a lot of, a lot of good stuff.
0: I think so, too. I think so, too. I hope... Uh, people will read it. I hope that um, people listening to this podcast will know that I I don't believe I've done it justice. I think that the the book is profound, and it's it's a totally different approach. And I kind of feel like that when you read the book, that how you care for bees will be completely different, and it'll be it'll do more for you than reading 40 beekeeping books. Um, I mean, they're gonna talk, most of the beekeeping books anyway talk about like what toxic gic to put on when, uh, how to manage your sugar water, and, and things of that nature. Um, uh, and so I kind of feel like this, is profound.
1: Well, it fits in with what you've done a lot with, you know, a better way of raising critters on the homestead, better way of raising chickens. You know, you do what is healthiest for the chickens. Joel Salatin talks about the pigness of the pig. You know, they're all uh, uh, holistic management. You know, all there are ways that are animal and insect and people systems can live in a positive relationship with the little ecosystems that we steward and i don't say manage i purposely mean steward and using good husbandry is really based in what's healthiest for the bees what's healthiest for the people what's healthiest for the pig or the carrot or whatever system you're nurturing and stewarding and be using good husbandry for so be bee centric beekeeping
0: so if you like this sort of thing come on out to the forums at permies.com where we talk about bee collaboration <laughs> <laughs> homesteading and permaculture all, all the, the time. time don't forget go out to patreon.com slash paul wheaton and make a pledge for future mm. artifacts